Let's pray. Almighty and gracious God, Lord, as we come to you during this season of Advent, as the, the days begin to uh, grow lighter because we are getting closer and closer to the birth of your Son, we ask that your light continues to shine upon us. And Lord, as we await your return for us, we ask that we cling closely to the promises that you make to us in the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ. This we ask and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So back in uh, 1991, uh, singer and songwriter Mark Lowry uh, sat down with one of his good friends, Buddy Green, to write a song together. Uh, and uh, in the process of writing this song, uh, it was a, a song that Mark had had on his mind for many, many years before that, but he could never figure out the, the right way to get the melody and the lyrics and everything to kind of line up. And so that's why he uh, enlisted his friend to do this with him. And in the midst of this project, one of the things Mark told Buddy was that um, the entire idea behind the song came from a question that he used to ask his mom and talk about with his mom when he was a kid. And the question was this, what was it like to raise the Son of God? Uh, Mark said he and his mom would have all kinds of conversations about this question, and there would be different types of questions, some that were more serious, some that weren't that serious at all. Uh, and uh, he kind of shared some of the questions that he asked, and so he would ask her questions like, what was it like to give him a haircut? And uh, did she ever have to walk into his room and say to him, clean this mess up? And what was it like to teach the Word of God to speak? It was these kinds of questions that uh, continued to uh, go through Mark's head throughout his life, and that's what prompted him to finally sit down with his friend and write this song. And in fact, it is kind of his claim to fame. I learned that Mark to this day still performs, and when he does, he always closes out every show with this song. And interestingly, uh, throughout history, the responses to this song have been kind of mixed. There are some people who really love it, some people who don't like it at all, and then, of course, the rest of the people kind of floating in the middle who don't really think about it more or less. And for the people who really love the song, uh, I've been told that they find beauty in the storytelling of it all, that uh, it evokes a lot of different Christmas uh, kind of imagination and wonder, and it talks a lot about the life and ministry of Jesus. And then uh, for the people who don't like it, I've heard that, you know, the song is kind of redundant, and it asks the same question over and over and over again. And it's a question that we already have some answers to, so why do we need to ask it in the first place? And it's just kind of annoying. And the truth is, you know, everyone is entitled to their opinions, even those bad ones. You know, I get it. I get it. But in case it wasn't clear, uh, the song that I'm talking about uh, is the one that I use for the title of my message today. Mary, Did You Know? And it just so happens that this also happens to be one of my wife Lauren's favorite Christmas songs, but I cannot confirm or deny how that has affected my own feelings towards the song in recent years. Uh, that being said, regardless of how you or I feel or anyone feels about the song, one of the things that it does is it gets everyone to think very specifically about the perspective of one special person in the Christmas story. We think about the birth of Jesus from the perspective of his mother, Mary. And in our reading from Luke's gospel today, uh, we got to do that once again. We were invited to think about the birth of Jesus from the perspective of Mary. In fact, uh, this passage that you just heard read is also known as the Annunciation. Because what happens is the angel announces to Mary that she is going to give birth to a son. She is going to be the mother of Jesus. Now, my guess is this is not the first time you have heard this story before, and I certainly know you haven't heard it for the first time here at church. 
But uh, much like every other part of this time of year, this season of year, things kind of get too familiar for us. And when something becomes very familiar for us, we kind of lose sight of the awe and the wonder, the, the mystery, the miracle of it all. Uh, we instead kind of rush along into all that is coming next. We're always thinking about the next thing during the holiday season. And in fact, uh, this struck me earlier this week, and I was talking to Pastor Mark about how uh, I thought about that this Annunciation is something we read every year right before Christmas, like the week before Jesus is born. And yet, if you think about it, Mary was receiving this news, you know, biologically, scientifically speaking, sometime probably like nine months before this was ever going to happen. So um, for us, that would have been like sometime in like March or April-ish. Were you thinking about Christmas back then? Some of you might have been. I know you listen to Christmas music year-round. We've talked about that problem already for you. I get it. But most of us were in the middle of Lent and thinking about Easter, if nothing else. Right? And so today I want to invite you to that moment, to the moment when Mary is first told about Jesus. And all the time that she had to ponder the words that the angel spoke to her on that night so long ago. Because in the midst of that pondering, some of the awe and the wonder and the miracle of it all reveals itself to us. And as we do that, uh, we also get then to answer the question, what exactly did Mary know? And as we answer that question, I'm going to use different parts of the song that pair up so well with the biblical story. And so uh, the first question that I wanted to, to answer, the first question that we're asked in the song is in the first verse, and it says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? And the angel in chapter 1 of verse 31 of Luke says this to Mary, you will name him Jesus. Now, uh, I don't have a child, but I do have lots of friends and family with kids. And, and one of the things I've learned and kind of gathered over time is that the naming of a child usually happens in one of two ways. Either the parents agree on a name for the child, or the husband agrees with what the wife has chosen for the name of the child. And, uh, you know, needless to say, naming a child is kind of a really important and, and special thing. People choose names for all different kinds of reasons. Right? Uh, some names are chosen because of fam family heritage and ties. They're passed down from one generation to the next. Some names are chosen for cultural reasons and things like that. And then uh, other names are chosen because of special places and so on and so forth. Uh, naming a child is a rather special thing to do. And yet, when we look at the story here for Mary, that is something that she did not have the chance to do. And maybe you could say, well, that kind of relieved the pressure. And at the same time... In the midst of Mary hearing what her son's name is going to be, she is told so much than just a name. Because the name of Jesus was indeed very special. It was a specific name, in fact, and uh, the name has a special meaning. In Hebrew, if you read this name, it was Yeshua. And what it means is, he saves, or the Lord is salvation. So, essentially, when Mary is told that her son's name is going to be Jesus, what she's also told is what he is going to do. That Jesus saves. That uh, Jesus is the one who comes to save his people from their sins. And uh, all throughout ancient Israel and history, they would have been told that this Messiah was coming to save the sons and daughters of Israel, to save his beloved children. And so that is what Jesus does. It's actually part of his name. And not only that, Jesus doesn't just save his people from, from sin or from death and the devil, but he saves them from everything they have going on in their lives. He reminds them about all that there is still to look forward to in life. And the same remains true for me and for you. Jesus saves us from everything we may be going through here and now. 
So uh, what do you need saving from this Advent season? Maybe uh, it's a conflict that you're going through at work. Something that you haven't been able to resolve for months and it just feels like it's never going to end. And every time you wake up to go into the office or get on the computer, it just starts up all over again. Or uh, maybe it's the holiday season stress and all that comes with that. All the burdens of carrying, whether you're hosting the family or going to see the family or anything that could just wear you down during this time of year. Or uh, maybe it's the estrangement from family members that always comes up during this time of year. Maybe it's uh, just the feeling of anxiety or depression that you've carried with you for so long. And during this time of year, it just seems to weigh a little bit heavier on your heart. Maybe uh, it's the, the feeling of pain or the grief of the fact that this may be the, the first year without a loved one or many years without someone that you love during this time of year. Whatever uh, it is, whatever you're going through, God wants you to know that he is sending his son to save you. That God is sending his son for you. That uh, in the midst of everything you have going on, Jesus saves you. He comes to save you. And what that means is that he comes to heal you. He comes to fix what is broken, to redeem all that has been taken away, to restore all that has been broken by sin in this world. That Jesus saving you is more than just the salvation that he provides, but everything that he is doing in every part of your life at every moment of every day. All of this is part of what his name means. This is what it means to say that the angel said, you will name him Jesus. So Mary knows that her son is going to be the one who saves his people. And then uh, later on in the song, uh, we're told something different. Uh, it's actually kind of a, a rather intimate moment between a mother and a son, one that I'm sure occurred many times in the life of Mary and Jesus. The song says, uh, when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary, did you know? And once again, the angel says in Luke chapter 1, verse 32, he will be great and he will be called son of the most high. And so there are only a few times in scripture that you find God the Father being referred to as the Most High. And one of the reasons is that there are so many other ways to refer to him, but here it's specifically kind of just a reminder of who God is, that he is the Lord of all things over all things, greater than any Lord or God that ever perhaps has been or ever discussed and ever will be. And in the midst of that, that Jesus, his son, is the son of the Most High. High. And when you pair this with other passages in scripture, like the prophet Isaiah saying that he will be the son of God, he will be uh, the mighty God, that will be part of his name, uh, there's this connection that Jesus as the son of God is also God in the flesh. God coming down to dwell amongst his people. And interestingly, when we think about the life and ministry of Jesus, even though he's called the son of the most high, we look at his life and it doesn't exactly match up with that name. Because the Son of the Most High comes to dwell with the people who are the most low. That throughout his life and his ministry, Jesus spends time with people who are lowly. Lowly and for all different kinds of reasons. And in fact, Mary sings about this later. She, she knows what Jesus is going to do when he comes down. She says it uh, just a few verses later, uh, later in Luke, in a song that, that's called Mary's Magnificat. In verses 52 and 53, Mary says, He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. 
a hallmark of Jesus' ministry is his humility. That Jesus who saves, the God who saves, comes to be with the poor and lowly. His entire life is spent with people that were looked over by the rest of the world, that were viewed as the least of these. Over and over again, he's found with with people that the rest of the world just kind of looks past and doesn't even see as important. And yet for Jesus, those are the people he came to be with all the time. Now, uh, maybe you've never seen yourself as one of those people who perhaps are the lowest. Maybe you don't think about yourself as one of the lowest. And uh, that kind of makes sense because in the the eyes of the world, usually people who are the lowest are seen that way because of the, the stuff that they perhaps do not have. And so if someone were to look at you, they would say, well, you have more than most people will ever have when it comes to stuff. And of course, that is kind of a clear way for us to think about who Jesus has come to be with. And at the same time, Scripture also speaks about other kinds of of lowliness, other ways that we are low. Because maybe, as you stand before God, you have all the stuff that the world around you can see, but there are battles you are fighting that no one else in the world around you knows. That only God knows what you are going through. That, That God sees your lowliness in heart, or in spirit, or in mind. And in the midst of that, you're, you're carrying this weight around that you feel so low as you come before God with nothing left to give him, nothing to offer him. And yet when God sees you, when he looks at you, he tells you that he is sending his son to be with you. That Jesus, the son of the most high, comes to dwell with those who are the most low in body, mind, and spirit. He has sent his son to you and he is sending him for you. Because God has not forsaken you. You are not alone. The Son of the Most High has come to be with you. So Mary knows that her Son is going to save his people. And that he's coming to dwell with those who are the lowest. In both body, mind, and spirit. And then uh, the song moves kind of into this third reflection. And there are two questions that are asked. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? And once again, we turn back to Scripture and the words from the angel Gabriel. He says, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is one of those verses that uh, reminds me of how purposeful God is with every word that he speaks to us. That every word God speaks is is important and has context and meaning behind it, far behind we ever see or perhaps hear when we first hear it. Because uh, I was looking at the the relatives of Jesus that could have been named. And if you look at Matthew's gospel, the, the first chapter opens up with the relatives of Jesus. There were 38 other people that could have been named as relatives of Jesus here. And yet by naming David and Jacob, the angel is inviting Mary to think about all the generations of the past and all the ones that are still yet to come about this son, about her son, how her son is going to be the king over all of them. That his reign and rule will be established just as it has been through the generations and generations of kings before him. That as he rules from the throne of David and the line of Jacob, his kingdom will have no end. This uh, baby is going to be the king of all of God's people, but also over all of creation. He is going to be the Lord of lords over all things. 
And so in a world that's uh, torn apart by sin and destruction and brokenness, this king who reigns over everything is a reminder that all is never lost. That uh, no matter how dark the world may seem, no matter how deep the despair might feel, the one who reigns over all things is alive and in control. It's just like it says in Colossians chapter 1, For in him, in heaven and on earth, all things were created. Things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. And through his reign over all things, he is working in the midst of all things. Working to redeem and to restore, working to heal all that has been broken, working to save. And because he reigns with mercy and grace and truth and love, the world is forever changed by his birth. So if we start at the top with that question, Mary, did you know, just as the song poses it, it's fair to say we have some pretty clear answers about all that Mary knew and all that Mary had to ponder for those months and months before her son would be born. And at the same time, in the midst of all the answers we have, I find myself asking another question. Why does it matter? Why does it matter what Mary knew or didn't know? Why is that question perhaps an important one for us to ponder? And it matters because in the midst of hearing those words from the angel and believing all that was said, knowing those things to be true, these are the promises that Mary would cling to for the rest of her life. In the midst of all that was unknown about her future, all that would be unknown about her pregnancy, unknown about her life with Joseph, unknown about what it would be like to raise a child, and so much more. In the midst of all that is unknown, Mary knows what is true. Mary has promises spoken from the word of God to her that her son is going to save her and her people, that her son is going to come and dwell with her, that her son is going to rule and reign over all things, that his birth will change her life and the world forever. And the same is true for me and for you. There is so much about our lives that we do not know. So much of our lives that are so unknown. Uh, maybe we're still living in the unknown of that conflict that you're dealing with at work or the unresolved issues that you have with your family, not sure how they're going to turn out, or even just what's going to happen later today, or perhaps what's going to happen tomorrow. In the midst of everything in our lives and in this world that is unknown, we have these promises from God that we know are true. Promises that God made to us when he announces the birth of his son, that he is coming for me and for you. That the one who saves is the Son of the Most High who comes to dwell with the Most Low, who reigns and rules over all things, is here now, and his kingdom has no end. And so as this uh, season of Advent comes to a close, my hope and my prayer for you is that like Mary, you continue to hang on to these promises in the days ahead. Hang on to what you know and believe is the truth. And that next week, you come and you join us as we celebrate the birth of the one who saves his people from their sin. We celebrate uh, the, the son of the most high who dwells with those who are the lowest. And we lift up and praise the name of the king of kings and lord of lords who is coming again for you.
and invites you to dwell in his kingdom now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.